You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Craggy Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. Finally back from break, I am your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike, the crankiest of cranky fans. Oh, grump. I never thought that actually talking about the Giants would give me a little football relief this year with the implosion of my Florida Gator football team, but I don't even want to, you know bring everybody else down into my misery so let's just talk about something a little more lighthearted and cheery like our one in six new york football giants it's pretty hilarious that the first year we do this podcast is the first year that both the gators and giants are miserable they're both miserable both have coaches named mac who we're all pretty sick of and underachieving and uh not anymore (laughs) we'll have a nice we'll have a nice running theme of uh janoris jenkins uh, ex-Gator thrown off the team for marijuana, repeated smoking the doge, and now the late news is he is suspended indefinitely. What do we, what do we got going on with this? Um, so we can start right there, I guess. Um, I don't think this is uh, an egregious thing, but we only know so much information. Uh, essentially, the Giants had a bye week and were supposed to report Monday. George Jenkins did not. The strangest part about this is that Ben McAdoo, when asked about it, said that it was an excused absence, and then today reported that Jack Rabbit is suspended indefinitely for not showing up on time. Um, I do think it's worth noting that flights were insanely delayed because of really bad weather in this area Sunday night, and I mean like all day Sunday, but mainly Sunday night. Um, that could have something to do with Janoris Jenkins not being there Monday right away. You know, we don't really know. Um, but I mean, in this day and age, that's no excuse. No, it's I mean, not. It's definitely. Not, I'm not making a, excuses you know, for him. But yeah. I mean, this is a guy who may have fallen in the draft because of his troubles at Florida. But this is in no way comparable, is what I'm saying. He's a punk. We we know he's a punk. I mean. He was a punk in college. Um, you know, guys like that have very, very short leashes. And again, we don't know the full story. You know, if it was an issue with flights being delayed, it's very simple. One phone call, one text, that's taken care of. So I, well, so I, I don't know if it, That's know what's if interesting to me. So what um, – it, it, Ben McAdoo's flip-flop on whether or not it was an excused absence is interesting. What was said today was that – um, he had not spoken to Janoris Jenkins directly. Um, my thought was that, you know, Janoris Jenkins' agent or somebody communicated that he would not be there. I mean, the choice of words is deliberate. There's no way that the word directly was just accidentally thrown in there. Mm-hmm. I think I think it was understood that Janoris would not make it to practice Monday, but that that's no excuse. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, you know, I think a lot of this is justified from Ben McAdoo, but also a lot of it is also Ben McAdoo being a hard ass. Um, and ben McAdoo is still – he's still trying to sow his oats on what exactly he is. You know, if, is he a player's coach, a hard ass, a selective enforcer of 
punishments. So I, I don't know what to make of him right now. Me either. So this it's, is it's him curious. still trying to figure it out. It's it's. I do think that they have conflicting styles. Uh, so Tom Coughlin was known as a hard ass, but he was very heavy on fining players, not suspending them. Um, you know, there the the story that sticks out to me a lot. Uh, there's a couple, but you know, there's the the one that I remember the most is you know Michael Strahan butted heads with Tom Coughlin a lot about Coughlin time and being there five minutes early and you find guys that were late, um, and one of those things I remember when when Strahan had finally gotten Tom Coughlin to ease up a little bit. I remember seeing a clip of this in I think like whatever Odyssey of the 2007 team, um, but there was a clip where one of the players um, asked very politely if he could keep his cell phone on the sideline because his wife was going into labor, and Tom Coughlin allowed it, but did let him know that he could find him for that and that he was being nice about it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. And there's the other story I remember is when DRC joined the team, you know, Antro Roll tried to tell him that Tom Coffin was a hard ass and he'd have to follow rules. They wouldn't he wouldn't get yelled at, he would just get fined. And there was some story about DRC showing up in tennis shoes. Tom Coughlin said hello to him in the in whatever hotel lobby or something like that. And then the next morning he was fined for wearing tennis shoes and not wearing like dress shoes or something like that. So I mean, this just probably a different kind of discipline. Um, you know, and suspending players. I think also the record plays into it. Yeah, but, you know, suspension is a lot different than a fine. A fine is monetary, and that's something that's, oh, you know, that sucks. You get the message. But missing games, now you're you're impacting the team as well. And, you know, this isn't like he took PEDs. This isn't like he was doing coke. It wasn't like he punched out a teammate. This is something different, you know, and if he's going to – and the reason why Coffin, you know, had those little, you know, hard ass rules and stuff not because he wanted everybody to wear you know the right shoes he was trying to instill discipline you know this just seems kind of random and you know killing a butterfly with a hammer or whatever the expression is so i I don't know what's going on here um who knows it's certainly weird i but i do think a lot of it is laying down the hammer it's it's really like if you're gonna be here or you're not gonna play Kind of thing, and again, I do think that the record plays into that a lot. I think it's a little bit of him trying to keep control of the ship and not let it just go into the hurricane. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, the season might be lost, but he won't lose the team. Is really what I think he's trying to do is get the team to show up every Sunday and play, no matter how bad it looks. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not necessarily agreeing with it either. It's just my analysis of what I think we're seeing because it's it is head scratching. And um, I think, and to be fair, I don't think this team, you know, the two games since they really were zero and five, I don't see any quit in them, really. Do you? I mean, I just see a team that's severely undermanned right now and just I, trying to on the field. No, but I mean, there's so right. much more that we don't see. There are some sort of weird mutinies going on. You know, DRC had whatever issue where he walked out on a practice. I mean, that's some quit right there. Yeah, but again, we don't know the whole. We never will know the whole no, story. No, and with we that. never will. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well. Like. We, I don't too. see it quit on the field. On the quit on yeah. the field, I don't see quit. But I don't know what's going on at practice. He might be trying to keep control of it before it happens. I, or, or something. Interesting that it's interesting that two of the three, you know, these two guys are both cornerbacks. Yep. And it's interesting, you know, when Apple was, you know, benched for you know x amount of plays in that one game a few weeks ago, and mm-hmm. it's really interesting how that position is seems to be, which we thought was you know one of the most stable ones in the in the whole team going into the season. 
Well, I don't think the cornerback play has been too much of an issue. So, I, I mean, in terms of stability, you know, whatever. I think, you know, it just might be some of that has to do with, like, the demeanor you have to have to be a good corner. There's a certain cockiness you need to have to be a good corner, but it's a fine line between being too much. Oh, exactly. And having that carry off the field into, you know, permeating the building and yeah. practice facility and the culture of the team. What other good news do we have? <laughs> um, well, there is something interesting. Um, I don't know how much of this is even worth talking about, but uh, Odell Beckham made a public call for Jarvis Landry to join the Giants. What do you make of that? Well, first of all, isn't that kind of violate some sort of tampering rules? Talking about guys under contract on another team? I don't think if it's an individual player, it doesn't. Uh, I think if uh, a team official reaches out to them, yeah. But I know in the NBA, I know that would be a fine for sure. You can't really, you can't talk about, you can't actively, it falls under the category of recruiting. Saying you want him to play on your team. In the NBA, they have no tolerance for that. And that's a, that's an instant fine. I don't know in the NFL it is well, but it just seems very, it seems very, it's very disrespectful to your current receiving core. It's very disrespectful for other teams. You're actively trying to get their, their guy. I think Odell just needs to, you know, be quiet. You know, he's, he's not playing the rest of the year. If he's at attention hungry to get, you know, his name in the news, not a good sign. And again, if it wasn't Odell, you know, you probably wouldn't be thinking that, but this is a guy that's always in the news for good or bad. And True. Well, I mean, we should provide a little bit of context in that the Dolphins were sort of shopping his name around on the trade block. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they immediately pulled it away, but, you know, that rumor doesn't just happen. I mean, usually the name is shopped around. They want to see what he's worth, what they can get, and then, you know, they'll pull back if it's not something they want. And the rumor may have come straight from Jarvis Landry himself to Odell Beckham. You know, I, I don't know. They are very good friends, um, teammates in LSU. So, you know, whatever. I, I agree with you, though. I, if, it, if it's not against the rules, I agree with the NBA rule. I think it's annoying. Well, just look, look from a practical standpoint, one, salary cap implications, and two, if you trade for him, what happens next year and everybody's back? I mean, what do you do? I guess we, we kind of count on Brandon Marshall no not being guarantee- back. Well, I'm not saying they're counting on that, but he is very let goable. I mean, he has no guaranteed mm-hmm. money next year, so he can very easily be cut. Um, mm-hmm. Jarvis Landry is not really that guy. He's not a six-three wide receiver, and, right. and to be perfectly honest, I was not that high on him coming out of the draft. I thought he had some dropsies, and I think he still does. I mean, I, I don't know. It certainly would be an upgrade, probably. Mm-hmm. Again, what, what's his cap number? Uh, well, I mean, he's still on his rookie contract. They got drafted at the same time, same year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so okay. So then the question becomes: You got to sign him then. Well, yeah, the, you're going to be hit yeah. with the the free agency debacle. I mean, yeah, this is not just from a, when I said before. You know, logically, does this make any sense even to make that kind of trade? If you know. Jerry Reese is like, yo, good idea, Beckham. Let's do that. You know, well, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if he'd be, make... he'd be heading towards his fifth year option, right? Uh, they could, they he... could just exercise that, no? I guess they could. Which I'm would not still exactly be sure on the works, cheap for next but... year, but you know. Yeah. But then you got to you got to worry about signing him. Yeah, 
Yeah. And do we want to allocate, you know, how much money do we want to allocate in the wide receiver spot? Because Beckham's going to take a ton. Yeah. You know, he's going to, he's going to want a lot. So all of a sudden, you know, are you, you know, unbalancing your salary cap number for wide receivers? Yeah, definitely. At, at that point. Yeah. You'd have two mm-hmm. megastars mm-hmm. getting paid megastar money. Right. I mean, now the nice thing is Sterling Shepard, you know, and uh, Evan Ingram are going to be on the real cheap. So that kind of balances it off a little bit. True. And all the other and tight Ingram, ends too. Ingram can right. last up to five years. Shepard can't, though. This is Shepard's third year? Second year. This is his second, second year. Second year. Okay, so it's, we're, we're in pretty but good shape. But he's a second round pick, so he won't have a fifth year option. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Um, you know, whatever. I just thought that was interesting news. Um, and, and the Dolphins mysteriously traded away Jay Ajayi to Philadelphia. I mean, is there a running back having a better year than Jay Ajayi? <laughs> you know, something is these moves, they make no sense. When I saw it, I was like, well, what'd they get for him at least? I don't even remember. Um, it's real yeah. great that he's in the division now. Thank God. <laughs> are we ready to say that the Eagles are good now? Yeah, I think they're good. They remind me a little bit of us last year. They did make a lot of the right moves in in the offseason, though, addressing the wide receiver core that had nothing last year. So, well, this this could be a team that definitely does gel and get stronger as the season goes on, too. Sure. You know, I mean, that was. Uh, did you watch any of that game, the uh, the Philly Washington game? Uh no. They're solid. You know, they weren't making any mistakes. You know that. There's there's something to worry about. You know, obviously I don't want to see Philly get anywhere near the Super Bowl again because I'd be I love hanging that over them that they haven't been champs in over you know almost sixty years and stuff. But uh, zero. There's a lot of parody and a lot of mediocrity in this league right now. Yeah, it's a weird year. Um, let's talk about Jerry Reese's press conference. What stood out to you? We haven't talked to you guys in a while. It's good to let's catch up with that because it's. Pretty much, you know, the major storyline of this season was, you know, why didn't we upgrade the offensive line? You know, do we fire Reese and or uh, McAdoo? So his finally is one opportunity to, to talk. Yeah. So unlike other GMs, Jerry Reese only talks three times a year to the media. Uh, this is the bye week is one of those times when when you only speak so often, and when you have such a high profile and to, you do the New York media. Every letter of every word is scrutinized. Um, to his credit, I don't think Jerry Reese really cares much about the over-analysis of his press conferences. But nevertheless, here we are. Um, the most common thing I saw scrutinized was that he said the offensive line is comparable to other offensive lines in the league. What do you make of that? <laughs> well, well, they all have five players who start. Pretty comparable. That's about it. I mean, I thought it was I thought it was interesting to say he wanted to stay young with the offensive line and have this line build as opposed to getting someone, you know, an older guy to kind of fill in. Like to me, this window is another year and a half to two with Eli. I think you load up for the run and for him to say, well, we want to keep the offensive line young and have it grow and build together doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that that's an organizational decision. That isn't what we thought before that he tried to and whiffed on getting guys. He well, made think, a conscious decision. He's gonna ride or die with this group. 
Yeah, I mean, I think what he was really aiming to say is that if he was going to get the older guy, it had to be the right guy. I mean, I think a lot of that went into the interview process and, you know, talking to them and seeing what they were willing to do if they really wanted to win a championship or if they wanted to come in and play left tackle only or, you know, something like that. And I think I think also when you when you get a lineman who's only got a year or two left, it comes down to, you know, how intelligent they are and how quickly they can pick up the offense. You know, a lot of these guys, they're looking for the big payday. They kind of just don't give a shit. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Jerry Reese has not had a good track record with getting free agent, free agent offensive linemen for, you know, like, like the, the bigger deal guys. Um, it's it's been the middle of the road guys that he's you know nailed pretty well, mm-hmm. uh, you know like w- we mentioned Sean Locklear a couple episodes ago was was a huge win, but Jeff Schwartz was kind of a whiff. I mean the dude was injured his entire time here, mm-hmm. um, and I had really what? high hopes for him. And remember David Boss was a disaster, even though they right. won the Super Bowl, you know he was just a complete liability at center. Mm-hmm. So well, I, mean, I, I think I think he's very cautious about what kind of offensive lineman he was getting, and if it was a guy just aiming for the big payday and he didn't feel like he was gonna try to win, then you know maybe he wasn't willing to outbid another team for him. Well, I, I guess you know going for a guy like like Andrew Whitworth, for example, mm-hmm. you know who's playing very well with the Rams. It was someone you know he thought he was too old. He didn't want to invest in a thirty-six-year-old guy, but you know, makes a move for like a Brandon Marshall. It's like, you know, an older guy. It just, it doesn't make any sense that the position of greatest need, you know, was offensive line. And especially well, with the window we're talking about. I listen, listen, I, I'm going to agree with what you said in terms of their age. What I'm going to say is Brandon Marshall's deal was for nothing. Mm-hmm. Brandon Marshall took no money pretty much uh, versus what Andrew Whitworth got. So, but he didn't. But he he didn't he didn't talk about it in terms of money though, or cap, or anything. He was specifically right. interested in age. Of course, no, no, no. I like I said, and I agree with you. But to put those two things together, now you're looking at one is worth almost nothing, and he's got the height weight speed combo that you kind of want. You know, he's a red zone target. I mean, it, I I still think, despite what ended up happening with Brandon Marshall throughout the year, that was a slam dunk move because it cost nothing. And, you know, the idea – if this offense could even get in the red zone, we don't even know. But I, I see your point, and, uh, yeah, I think it's a little ludicrous to say that uh, he wanted to stay young. I mean, I think you go with the best option you have, and if staying young is not the best option, then you right. need to either draft a new guy, which he didn't do, or, you know, get a veteran Or you cobble something together while you still have the opportunity to, you know – in, in in two years it could be all moot, you know. We you know whether whoever the quarterback may be, yeah. whether it's Davis Webb or X who's drafted or who knows what, you know, it's going to be a rebuilding time and it's going to be definitely something that's to start over. So I, I I just understand when you have a a championship level defense, a quarterback that still has something left in the tank, you know, it's just a, a tactical mistake that they made. Yeah, I think he thought maybe they could get away with just getting DJ Fluker to plug the gap 
And mm-hmm. again, to his credit, I think DJ Fluker was a good signing. I mean, so far it's looked like it took him a little while to get a hold of the offense, but I don't really think he's losing the right guard spot to John Jerry anytime soon. It doesn't seem no, that way. I don't, anyway. I don't think so. I don't so, think so either. I mean, that's yeah, the other, something. The other thing I thought was very interesting in the press conference was he made a lot of comments like, you know, maybe this team wasn't hungry enough after, you know, or was complacent after the, the run last year and, they you know, took a while to their own hype, I believe is what he said. So I read that to mean, Hey, I put this team together. It's up on the coaching staff and the players to be ready to go. Did you, did you feel that was a little bit of throwing McAdoo a bit under the bus? I interpreted it that way. I mean, at the same time, and in almost the same sentence, he said that the one in six record is quote on me. I build the team. This is my record. Um, but yeah, I I think I think to me when I hear that, it's the coach keeping getting the players to play because the players, you know, the the coaches are there to make sure players play and they play the best. Or, that they can. we're not we're not saying that's not true. You know what he said. We're not saying the in, the accuracy and the accuracy of the statement. I just thought it was very interesting to hear a general manager say that, where obviously everybody's reading between the lines, reading the tea leaves that that was a veiled comment to the coach. When not even two years ago, ownership said it's on Reese to fix this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think. And the criticisms are, you know, as much as, you know, McAdoo, the criticisms he got were, you know, this job is a little over his head. He shouldn't be play calling. But the main criticism is this team where the main critical problems are not addressed. It's It's got to be a combination of both. I mean, on the one hand, there are serious issues with this team that were not addressed. On the other hand, this team went 11 and 5 last year, so they should be able to overcome some of those. And you know, the first two games this year didn't even look like they looked like scrimmage. Like the the real Giants weren't even there yet. Like I was still watching preseason and analyzing who was going to make the team. It wasn't To be close. fair, to be fair, the entire league looked like that in some respects as well. You know, the way the rules are and how people just don't take the preseason seriously anymore. But I get your point. Yeah. I, I mean we, – We looked more behind the curve than other teams did. That Dallas game, I don't even know why I stayed for the whole fucking thing. <laughs> the first game of the year, it was a miserable experience to watch that. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, it, it has to be a combination of both. And I, I do think that maybe having such success as a first-year head coach, Ben McAdoo, may be bought into the hype. Maybe he really thought that he could do it however he wanted to, and now this has humbled him to the point of, you know, maybe I can't call plays and coach this team. Yeah. You know. And again, we're not, what we're saying about Reese might be a completely valid point that he made. Yeah. You know? it's, it and was I think a lot of people were thinking the same though. thing. It was very strange to hear in that that one opportunity he had to speak that he said that. That was definitely a – to me, I think he's catching a lot of heat maybe inside the organization and outside the organization, maybe from ownership. And now he's, you know, flailing out to kind of like to save himself. Well, the one thing that is for sure about Jerry Reese pressers is that they're very deliberate. He pretty much has a good idea of what questions are going to be asked of him. And his answers are pretty calculated. Jerry Reese is no dummy. Um, I know, I know fans like to use him as a punching bag and it's a fair He's a very easy punching bag, but he's not an idiot. 
He's in the league no. for a while. And yes. this answer was also He's not just some jock who just got the job. This is not Matt Millen. No, you know, This is a real not, legitimate no. – this is a legitimate football guy who worked his way up through the ranks and has done the job for 10 years now? Very long time. As a GM, GM this- but before that he was, a, he was one of the lead scouts. Right. He was the GM for the second Super Bowl, not for both, correct? No, Of course both. he was the first no, one? No, he was for both. He was for both. Okay. So how many active GMs are there out there, you know – Oh, I mean, like some of the best ones, like Ted Thompson and Green Bay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're Jerry talking about Jones, a very technically. We're, uh, I know Jerry Jones. I, I don't think he's ever won one on his own without Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson ran the ship when he was there. I, yeah, I guess. But I mean, you could even argue that now Jerry Jones isn't even really the GM anymore. It's his son. Yeah, and so. also he's been for you know twenty five years. They haven't done shit either. Yeah. Well, whatever. My point is, though, that the fraternity of, you know, GMs that have multiple titles is very, very small, and he is one of them. Yes. Dummies don't do that. Yeah, that's very true. And he survived the New York media this entire time. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to sound elitist by saying, like, like New York is, like, greatest place on earth or whatever, but, like, it's pretty brutal out here compared to the rest it's of the It's the most demanding place, I would say, for, for the bang for your buck for, you know, maybe the Boston market might be a little tougher for baseball and, you know— Hockey maybe Toronto or Montreal or something, but for all around pressure cooker, spotlight, positive and negative, New York is that place. You know, it's more competition for the back pages of newspapers, you know, TV. You know, it, it's it's one of the the two or three hubs for you know online communications. So yeah. I definitely think the fact that there are two teams here is also you know, you're constantly being compared. Sure. I, I mean, like, I can't tell you as a Giants fan how many of my Jets fans came out of the woodwork to just all year riding my tail. You know, yeah. it's it's a constant comparison. And sure, it's a weird thing here because unlike even baseball, Jets and Giants play each other once every four years. It's mm-hmm. not really a rivalry on the field, and it's just more of a like you said, Jet fans will always use the measuring stick of the Giants, whatever they do, whether it's a relevant case or not. Mm-hmm. You know. Yankees and Mets do play each other six times a year, you know. But I mean, even the beat writers the use it, right? I mean, like, they're like, oh yeah. man, like I, I remember seeing the so the the Yankees before they played the Astros were almost down and out against who the hell did they play before? I don't even know. Cleveland. Cleveland. They were almost yeah. down and out against Cleveland, and I remember, I just don't remember who. I think I want to say it was James Cratch of NJ.com said. You know, with the Yankees right here, with everything on the line, New York's last remaining hope might be dot, 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 the Jets. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he was right at the, at that time. They, the Jets were probably the hottest team in, in, in that week. So, yeah. I mean, like, even the beat writers going on it. And, you know, the measuring stick is always there on who is better. So the, the only other thing I saw was – uh. Ben McAdoo went on Mike Francesa and Eli Manning's place during the bye week, and the most interesting he said, most interesting thing he said was, "Jerry Reese and I are attached at the hip and talk almost every day." And I think that that might go into what we were just talking about about the Giants buying into their own hype, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting to me. Did you feel that that was the case with this relationship? Well. <laughs> Well, let's start uh, here. Yeah. Do you believe him? I do not believe him. 
I don't know. I think McAdoo is a pretty stubborn guy. I think, you know, as a young guy in the league and a young guy in his position, I think he's kind of like, okay, this is my job. I know I have a plan. I know what I'm going to do. You know, does he take the advice or does he listen to this GM that much? I don't think so. So I'm not exactly sure I believe that. I'm not sure either. I don't. I don't know that they. T- maybe they talk every day, but I don't know how attached at the hip they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that perhaps Jerry Reese was pulling from for him from the beginning, like when he was brought in as a coordinator. Yeah. Well, it's his biggest. Uh, your most important thing on your resume as a GM is the hiring of a head coach. So yes, he. He wants his head coach to be successful. Well, I mean, every GM see, wants their head coach to be successful, whether they pick course, him or not. Of course. So he might, they may say bullshit statements like we're attached at the hip because he wants to show you know, public facing that they're on the same page and he supports 100%. Now, what goes on at the, uh, at the time mix center might be a whole different story. I think that Jerry Reese buys into Ben McAdoo's offense. On paper, I, I I see more of Jerry Reese's drafting and free agent grabbing fitting the offense than what I saw with him and Tom Coughlin the last few years. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I think Coughlin though was a very very big presence in that building too. Where you know, I don't think McAdoo has that same clout. However, that doesn't mean that he's not using whatever clout he has to be his own man. Does that make sense? Yes. It's just a very interesting statement. I I do think that in a certain sense, maybe they talk every day about, you know, status of things, you know, maybe, maybe they talk every day now that they're such a losing team. Like, you know, maybe Jerry Reese is asking the same fucking questions we are. Like, what, what can I do to fix this? You know, what do we need to do? How can I help? Well, I mean, the general manager's job is pretty limited this time of year. Yeah, I mean, it, so sorry, it wasn't a very invent, eventful bye week. I mean, you know, perhaps we would have spent this time talking about the rest of the division if the Giants were even somewhat competitive <laughs> in it. But, um, very, very true. I mean, you know, maybe as a Giant fan, maybe it's good that it wasn't eventful. You know, I, I you know, I, I guess the George Jenkins things came in late today, but you know. We always find in the off season. I know, it, especially in college and in, in the NFL, it applies too. That's the uh, that's the silly season. That's when the guys get busted for yeah. smoking the doach or slow news is bad. good news. Exactly. It was a it was a nice relaxing week for us. You can tell cranky fan is no longer the coughing fan. Um, yes, I, I got myself well again. You know, although after this past weekend in Jacksonville and the the downfall of my mighty Gators, I might go back to smoking heavily to. Uh, Game I cough. <laughs> I felt better. <laughs> um, well, he's got a fresh new voice, so we can get back to you Friday morning for um, a preview of the upcoming L.A. Rams game. Um, the Los Angeles Rams are coming to MetLife Stadium Sunday at 1 p.m., and we will have all our notes on the preview for that game for you in your ear holes Friday morning. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I can hardly wait. Yeah. I can hardly wait to be in your ear holes. Oh, man. <laughs> in the meantime, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Um, I know I was not active uh, the last week, but I was taking a much-needed rest from everything and enjoying my Halloween. I hope you did too. But going forward, <laughs> I will be 
more active. I'm at football underscore grump. And again, you can find our episodes being posted uh, via Twitter on at just giants pod. You can follow me at the cranky fan and you can download the world renowned just giants podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And if you could please leave a five-star rating and a very nice, warm, receptive review, the more reviews and ratings we get, the more giant fans will listen to this thing. The more people will know that we're crazy watching a one in six team lumber its way to the off season. <laughs> All right, everybody. Happy Halloween and let's go giants. Go giants. Go giants.